The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The brain is our personal tool to keep us at our best and realize self-esteem. The mind, body, and immune system work together to help us make the right choices and to reach our purpose and potential. Welcome to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Lindsay and her guests are the go-to experts when it comes to relationships, sexuality, parenting, and wellness. We're here to enlighten and inform you. Now, here is your host, Lindsay Levinson. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson. I am your host here at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. And I thank you for tuning in. I always thank you for tuning in because I appreciate it. I realize you are choosing this show to spend your time. And it's a way to learn, a way to grow, a way to contribute. But whatever you're choosing it for, thank you because it's really awesome. Today's show is part two of a part two series. So it's really relevant subject matter we've got going on because it's regarding teens. I'm not sure there's a person on the planet. (laughs) Maybe I'll exclude toddlers, but I think we all need to know more about teens. So whether you are a teen, whether you have a teen, whether you know a teen, or whether you are just living in the world, then teens are part of community and there's a lot going on with them. ADHD, ODD, anxiety, addiction, and then medications. Are they medicated? Should we be medicating? What's going on with our choice on that? And how educated are we to know what good choice to make? We're going to delve into these areas, and it's in serious need of a discussion. And not just today. I mean, we need a lot of these discussions, but we certainly need some wisdom. And we have a guest today who will bring us that wisdom and at least contribute to this area, which we need. Before I introduce him, let's go through what I might start calling Lindsay's logistics because I do them every time. I ask you, hey guys, please go to Facebook. That's just illuminating now. It's all one word. It's got a lot of activity going on right now. We've had some fun stuff going on, gosh, all the way since July, August. I mean, like a lot of really fun, exciting stuff and guests and material that's pretty evocative and provocative. So take a look at what has been going down on the Facebook site, Illuminating Now. And also Twitter has like been reborn. Oh my gosh, that's just at sign Illuminating Now. But please, I cannot tell you the activity there. (laughs) I might be the most popular one on Twitter. It's got a lot of activity. It's got a lot of good stuff. And um, you'll see why if you visit at Illuminating Now. It's just interesting is really why I'm saying to go. Quality for Life Coaching has had a makeover also. I've said that, you know, I'm going to keep touting it for a few months because it is interactive. It's got iTunes. It's got movies. It's got the downloads. It's got a blog. Um, Most of all, it's just interesting. Things that are interesting and fun and interactive are worth checking out. So that's qualityforlifecoaching.com. Check that out. I've also offered a free consultation to chat with you about anything that can be in person, local, Skype, phone, 
whatever is your, whatever floats your boat on that, you know, hit me up. And then our guest today, before I introduce him, take down his site. Because you should always want to check out the guest and the people that we talk to and the people that we're meeting. Greg Newton, MFT, as in Mother, Father, Tom, or as in the job he does. Greg Newton, MFT.com. So take down those, check those out, check out, just go ahead and Google this show or Google Lindsay Levinson because a lot of press releases, I mean, multiple, maybe three, something have gone out, multiple press releases talking about the kind of guests, who the guests are, what the growth of the show is that we, you know, had significant growth. We are over 20,000 strong now. And, and so a lot of things are being talked about. So please, you know, just all the ways you can access info is a good thing. So do that. These upcoming shows and the ones we've had are intriguing, and I just appreciate you checking them out, and you can go all the way back to the very beginning in February and check out archives. So everything that we offer you is to bring value to your life, and I hope that we do. And just remember, archives are always an option. So whether it's recent or, you know, months ago, check it out. I'm about to bring on Greg Newton. Greg Newton. This is a licensed marriage family therapist with a private practice in the Bay Area in California, specifically Danville. Greg offers a lot of wisdom for us guys because he has taught for so long. He's taught developmental psychology, neuroscience, just lots of interactive things with students and teens. And over the past 17 years at Diablo Valley College and John F. Kennedy University, He was our guest last week, and he is on again this week. And I told you, he has led groups for teens. He has worked prior with Children's Protective Services. And Greg Newton even has specialized training in sexual abuse issues, including work with sexual offenders. So I will tell you, as I did last week, that kind of the more exciting part for me is that I've known Greg. So this is somebody I've known for over a decade, and that's because he was my professor at graduate school when I was getting my master's in counseling psychology at John F. Kennedy University. Greg was absolutely one of my favorite professors for a variety of reasons. He had an impact on all the students. His communication was stellar. He was a leader. He had a lot of humility and confidence. And so I was lucky to have him as a teacher, a professor. We're lucky to have him here for two weeks as someone who can bring us this wisdom and be a teacher here as well. So That's awesome. I want to repeat, gregnewtonmft.com, so take that down, and I want to introduce this teacher, professor, MFT, my friend, Greg Newton, and I want to say, once again, you are doing all these things, Greg, with your practice, with groups, with teaching, all of these things, and you still chose to fit in these two shows, two weeks in a row, here on Illuminating Now, so thank you so very much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me back as a second show here in a row, and uh, I've really been appreciating uh, the content and quality of your your show and your production, Uh, so thank you for having me back. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, it takes takes great people, and I'm not, you know, I'm not one to judge who's not good or good, but I am one to say what we're in need of. I mean, I, I make my own call and I listen to the listener's request for what they really want to learn more about or what we're in need of. And what you bring is is just precious information when we're here to talk about teens and, and the subject today, especially. So last week we got into words like 
And even if people don't know the definition as I say these words, you'll immediately have a connotation in your head, listeners, to what the cyber bubble is. The cyber bubble, right? We're all in it. And teens are just immersed in it. They're almost locked in it. When I say the word hyperconnection, we might not really know that word totally, but then we think, oh yeah, we're all hyperconnected. We can't get disconnected. So these are things we talked about for teens. We talked about teens and their identity exploration and sexuality and sexualization over the internet. What, what does that really do to someone's identity? So you know, I wanted to just touch base on some of those terms because I believe a lot of this, and you and I talked about this, Greg, um, some of the sadness. They're as, they're as connected as ever and yet as lonely as ever. So that would lead to anxiety so and depression and, and many other things. But I guess I just want to start there. Do you think that parents have a reason? Does the world, do we as parents have a reason to really worry about anxiety and depression of teenagers today? Is it worse? Um, I don't know. Yeah, in some ways it might be worse today, but um, a lot of this is uh, typical uh, human behavior and the way we all love and want our, the best for our children and how we worry about them. Um, and and there are some, some real distinct differences about some of the kids that are growing up today, what they're exposed to because of the ubiquity and intensity of the, of the media and the Internet uh, that presents so many uh, images and information um, in, in front of them possibly. Yeah, you know, there is so much. There is so very much that is presented and that there's so many pressures that come with that. How do you think that the current generation of teens is similar then or different from the previous based on media, based on anything that's going on that they are immersed in? Well, there's a couple of different ways we can we can uh, approach this, I, you know, question. It's a good question, and um, you know, first of all, I I, I do want to always add the caveat that raising children is is the most difficult thing there is to do in the world. It, there's nothing more difficult than raising a family and raising children, and and I think you know most of us are thrown into parenthood uh, without a lot of preparation. Um, you know, in my classes, uh, I used to have students say, you know, I think we, parents should have a license to have children. You know, they should have to take these classes on developmental psychology and learning about <laughs> the brain and things like this, you yeah. know, and learning, learning about life, you know. So it is a very, very difficult thing. And um, a lot of the things that we, we will discuss here today, I'm sure, you know, also are very controversial. Uh, people have very definite opinions. We all have an opinion about how we were parented, how we think we should parent our own children, and so forth. So a lot of what, a lot of what I will bring out there uh, today probably will no doubt incite uh, some reactions. But having said <laughs> that, having said that, uh, you, know, the, the, uh, the, you know, there's a, a very interesting uh, theory about generations that was brought forth by uh, two researchers called, uh, their last names are Strauss and Howe. Um, and you can look them up online, S-T-R-A-U-S-S-N-O-W-E. They came up with a, uh, a, 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 some really compelling research on, on how generations are broken down into about 20-year segments. And these generational cycles, um, there was a, they, they went back to the early 1600s, and they found that every, about every 20 years um, that, that there was these cycles that happened where the strengths of the previous generation and the weaknesses 
the, the blindnesses, if you will, of the previous generation are are absorbed and um, reacted to or responded to by the next generation and so forth. And it gets passed along in this great cycle of 80 years. And so we're in this uh, great you know, stage here that they've talked about. Uh, uh, and, and that's kind of, like I say, compelling to take a look at. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there because I think people might find that of interest to do the research on it. But, Having said that, uh, also in, in general, how this generation might be different. Certainly, uh, once again, we cannot underestimate the power of communications today, of the Internet and the amount of information that's available to us, the images that are available to us, and our smartphones um, that are constantly uh, almost living inside of our skin these days. Um, <laughs> so that is having a tremendous impact. Um, on how we communicate, how we connect, um, or gives us, uh, in many many ways, an illusion of connection, like through social media, like Facebook or whatever, um, and and uh, this, it, all the texting and so forth that's going on. So I think we're having less interpersonal connection, less eye contact, less physical proximity to one another, and we're starting to understand this from a biological, energetic perspective, that when we don't have that uh, connection uh, with others, the eye contact, the, the, the sitting alongside or working alongside your father, um, you know, the, the way the heart actually of each person goes into a synchrony, if you were to hook them both up to EKGs or ECGs, electrocardiograms, you'd see that our hearts actually go into sync when we're alongside someone. And, and it's, it's, these kinds of things, our limbic system of our brain, the emotional center of the brain, goes into what they call limbic resonance when we're connecting with someone. This helps the body and our, our, our emotions and so forth, our feelings, to be able to come into a, a, a regulation or, a, or self-regulation or harmony that brings um, stability, peace, um, uh, quietness to, to, to the regulation, like I say, to the body. And when you don't have that proximity, uh, we suffer. We actually start to uh, feel dysregulated and, and disharmonious and creates dis-ease. And this literally does translate to our health, uh, our physical health, our, our, what illnesses and so forth that we might uh, uh, run into and, 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 and uh, you know, develop it over time. So there's that, and then there's also the, the lack of connection for many people today with nature. We look at nature through our LED TV screens or LC, you know, uh, LCDs or whatever, um, and we're not actually, or we're driving by it in our cars, and it's like a backdrop. It's like somebody brushstroked some beautiful trees over there and a mountain over there or something. But we don't actually engage in it. Um, so the fact that the Earth, we're, we're actually disconnected from the earth uh, is actually a significant problem with our, again, with our, our physiology because, and our, 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 the vibration in the body, the bio uh, rhythms of the body and so forth, because we're, we are, we are nature. We're made of the same ingredients that create the nature around us. We're not separate from nature. Yeah. Um, so, so when we're vibrating, believe it or not, they've done studies and they show that when we are in our hearts at the deepest level, we're actually vibrating at the same frequency that they have found nature vibrates at. 
Wow. So, yeah, How interesting. So, yeah. So these kinds of things, I think, um, you know, are really affecting um, the basic quality of human life and the and the basic foundation of human life uh, that that anxiety is something that uh, we have to come to terms with and learn about and and experience and learn how to have a relationship with it. It's different than fear. Fear is something you know specific. It's something that you know is going on that we can actually point to rationally. Where anxiety is an underlying feeling that's that's pervasive, and it never goes away. We're always dealing with anxiety. Uh, Buddha said 2,500 years ago, once again, uh, I think I mentioned last week maybe, but that uh, everything comes down to two emotions, anxiety and the absence of it, which is love. Um, mm. and, and so if you think about it that way, it's kind of profound, you know, to think about it that way. That is. That's very profound. And I think much of what you're saying you know, I know we talked some last week about it. I, I, because I have, you know, I don't have the background that you have, but whatever that I have studied, or through clients, or through life, or through raising kids, or just watching the world, and and I've been doing that since I'm about eight years old. Just really, you know, like so interested. But I believe we're very stunted, and I believe, and I like the way that you put t- scientific terms to things because I think it helps people. So when you talk about limbic resonance and self-regulation, you know, those are things that I believe we we are stunted when we are not eye to eye or face to face, or we do not learn how to get through a conflict. We really don't know how, and and when we are given lots of technology then those are just switches. We can turn them on, we can turn them off. So a fight, you can say something mean or say something nice, or you can just turn off your phone or turn off your email or turn off that relationship. And and that's, I know I mentioned last week, I think this leads all the way to divorce, all the way to war. If you don't have skills to actually look someone in the eye, to stay calm. And when you talk about the earth and nature, I what came up for me was being grounded and anxiety is a state of, you know, part of that feeling is not feeling grounded. It's not being able to stabilize our ground. And we may always have it, and it's turned up more or less. But that's interesting. The more we remove our connection with nature or our ability to to truly put our feet on the ground, right? you know, I think the more we turn up, the fact that we're floating, we don't really have roots and anxiety. Yeah? Yeah, I totally agree. That's, 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 That's right. There's a wonderful book out that came out last year, the end of last year, um, called Anxious Kids, Anxious, Anxious Parents, uh, Seven mm. Ways to Stop the Worry Cycle and Raise Courageous and Independent Children by Reed Wilson, who's a PhD, and uh, Lynn Lyons, uh, who's a social, uh, licensed social worker. Um, and it's, it's uh, a, great, uh, a great book at looking at how, when, when we as parents are, aren't able to regulate our own emotions or, or certainly our anxiety, but our anger and, and sadness and so forth, uh, how that affects the children as well. Um, it, it also reminds me real quickly, I got to throw this in, uh, uh, one of my teachers many years ago who happened to be a Buddhist, he said, there are two ways of knowing anything. One is through the in- intuitive side and, uh, and the experiential side, and one is through the intellect. And he said... Think of them as cheeks, the ones on your face. He said, not those. He said, the cheeks on your, uh, in the backside. He said, uh, if you only have one, you're half-cheeked. I'll, I'll say it that way. 
<laughs> which, which I think is a great, great way to kind of think of it because um, when we don't, there's a certain type of, of mm-hmm. knowledge that we come from book smarts and academics and so forth. But if you don't have that experiential, if you don't have the, the ability to, to listen to your senses and your intuitive side, um, then you're really going to be very, very skewed and lopsided in a way that it doesn't, it's what we call, like you say, in science, you know, I always love to take, you know, the, the sort of kind of the natural knowledge, the perennial philosophies and so forth, and, and apply that to science today. But it's, you know, we call uh, the, the intuitive side, emotional intelligence, EQ today, Daniel Goldman from Harvard felt it that, and the IQ, of course, the intellectual knowledge. And so what we, what we found is that EQ is actually much more indicative and important for our long-term success in all the ways you can measure success than IQ is. And yet right. schools and, and a lot of our parents that are really driven uh, high achievers uh, want, you know, emphasize and value is only really seemingly the, the IQ side. And as a society, we seem to, you know, glorify it. Um, it where, whereas, you know, something like mindfulness allows us to actually slow down and you were, as you were just saying a moment ago, and open up a gap between uh, what we're experiencing through the senses and the feelings and the emotions and our thoughts and our judgments of everything, which we do all the time. It allows us to, uh, you know, open the gap between those feelings and thoughts and our behavior so that we can start to, uh, you know, have a direct experience of what it is like to feel self-regulated and in our hearts and really, um, really at peace this way. And then from that clarity that it actually uh, raises even our IQ, believe it or not, people that regularly meditate and, and practice mindfulness have been shown to raise their IQ by as much as 20 points. Um, just having that, that, that focus, uh, ability to slow down and increase that gap uh, between our, like I say, our feelings and our thoughts and our and our behavior. So think it, about. It, let me let me ask you this. Yeah. Am I interrupting your final? Were you about to? That's right. Okay, because I want to say because you're making such a good point and so so true. Mindfulness. Yeah, it's sort of a side note or people who, you know, a Buddhist practice or really taking the time or meditation or, I mean, it's coming into its own. It is coming into its own, but it is way slow for for teens who are bombarded in a world. Uh, teens are just a population. Even when we're grownups, we at least get to sort of move away a little bit and then make some choices. But teens is like a population of smartphones. I mean, it's, it's like... Um, you know, you'd be a fool if you weren't on your smartphone or you weren't checking your Facebook or you weren't answering back or on FaceTime. Or, so the mindfulness, no one's bringing it in at any other level. And I, I think, and, and so I want to tie this so that people listening can really get some help here for how this connects to anxiety or depression or ADHD. You know, and others, I want to understand how to diagnose and work with these things. And I want to talk about what parents can do. And I, we won't get it all done. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we have a couple of minutes before break, but let's just start with it. Since we were on anxiety, let's sort of maybe just conclude that piece of how do we diagnose, how do we sure. even know that? And then we'll talk about what to do and some of the other things when we come back from break, but let's finish anxiety. Right. Just to throw, just to get us started, you know, anxiety is an ambiguity, not knowing the unsureness of life. 
is a, is the condition that we are, are thrust into as human beings. There's no there's no getting around those. There's no there's no numbing them out or removing them surgically or some other uh, other way of uh, trying to avoid them. If we if we can learn to honor and and be with our, our anxiety uh, and our, the ambiguity, the uncertainness of life, um, we actually it becomes a, a, a growthful, a motivational uh, impetus for us, as well as it becomes developmental. If we if we try to avoid it, if we try to to uh, uh, adapt to it in, in, as a way to avoid it then we, the result is, is always regressive. It always takes us back towards the womb, but back towards sleep. And, 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 and I don't mean to offend anyone because I deal with this constantly with people, and it's my work, and I've certainly had my own experiences with, with my own issues, but um, if we don't, it becomes regressive and, and we adapt in ways that are dysfunctional, like, like all the addictions. And... One of the big addictions in our society today is the addiction of, to perfection, and it's driven this to perfection. Plus, in addition to that, and I know we've got to go for break, so I'll just real rush this in, but is things like um, uh, ADD, uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder, uh, even and depression, these are adaptations to the anxiety, and it's a way we try to, to deal with it. So there's all this running around with the cell phones and stuff like this. Yes, to a certain extent, it's, it's, very, it's very fun, and, and, and there's the positive side to it. And that's the regressive side. Okay. I, I, so you've touched on things that are perfect because we will go to break. We are going to go to break, but I want people to understand we are about to, and I know so many of you out there want some answers. You want to understand a little more, even as if, it, if you are a parent or a teacher, you want to understand a little more about ADD and OCD and addictions and depression. And, and, and if there's anything you can do, should you be recommending medication or not? So we're going to go to break. This is Lindsay Levinson. I am your host. We're on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. We have Greg Newton as our guest. He's an MFT and a teacher. And we will be right back. But the stuff we have coming up is good. So hang in. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even co-worker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l-i-n-z-i-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now. Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson. We are back. Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. We have our guest here today, Greg Newton. He is an MFT in the Bay Area in California. He's also a teacher, and he runs groups. He's a leader of a lot of things, and he's worked with neuroscience and psychology in in so very many ways, and teens is one of his specialties. That's what we're talking about today. We have so much material. <laughs> we need about 10 shows to get through it. So we are working our way to try to be organized and touch on these subjects while we make sure and be valuable for you, the listening audience, which we know you want some answers. We touched on anxiety. We touched on ADD and certainly depression, OCD, addiction. Greg was mentioning We were talking about anxiety as a foundation, sort of the structural foundation that these kids are walking on, which means it's not all that, you know, strong. We're walking on sand, not necessarily bricks. We could fall over at any time. So kids are looking for ways to be more sure of themselves and kind of make that anxiety go down, but then they turn to addiction, to perfection, because maybe they can control that and be the best. Or maybe OCD, they can control certain, um, you know, the ways that they do, habits and exact practices. So these are, these are things that we're talking about. So I want to ask you, Greg, Let's just kind of, well, maybe we'll back into this equation a bit rather than just go with what do we diagnose and should we do right. meds? Maybe that's part of our conversation. And I think it is because parents want to know. But, but right. let's just start with parents. What should parents be doing, looking for? Um, what is their role in a world where their teen comes home and has the phone here, the tablet there, the computer on? The parent says, you know, do you want to turn some of that off? Hey, I'm doing my homework and my friend's supposed to call and I'm waiting for a FaceTime message about that. You know, kid has a good justification. Parent really doesn't love it, but all this technology is around them and they're all stressed out. What what should parents be doing? Uh, it's a good question. And, and there's a lot of different suggestions on this. Um, and, you know, obviously, to, one, some of the things we can do is, is uh, put, have no cell phones, uh, 
the free zone, cell phone free zones, and, you know, try to go back to some of the old basics if we can, and I know this is hard to, to have dinner together, but, you know, sit around uh, the table together and uh, actually have discussions and these kinds of things and have eye contact and, and this kind of thing. And I know that today's schedule doesn't usually allow for that, and this is one of the problems. We're all, you know, racing to nowhere, basically. And, and uh, so we're up against a, a lot of dilemmas, and, and there is as many different types of families today as there are, you know, uh, I don't know what else, these different styles of teenagers uh, as a result. And, and so when we're speaking, uh, obviously we're, we're talking to you know, maybe certain, certain types of families uh, and teen relationships and, uh, and, and families and other types we're missing. So having said that, um, you know, some of the things, like I said, that parents can do is, is make sure that they're spending quality time with their children. There's no substitute um, uh, for, for, for time, period, for the quantity of time we actually spend around one another. But this is what I'm getting back to is that if our, 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 as parents, we're modeling to our children um, emotionally how to regulate, how to manage life. And if we're so busy running ourselves and overwrought and, and don't have a lot of time for the children, or we're all ourselves are so absorbed in the technology. One of the studies shows that when kids get, get in the car for after school or after uh, an after school program or sporting event or whatever, they actually, right then is the time they want the eye contact with their parents. They want that connection right there. Oh, nice. and, a lot, and a lot of parents are actually right then, you know, uh, looking, texting somebody, looking on at their, their cell phone. Yeah, on their own phone. Yeah, and, and and they're not paying attention to the child, or they've got several kids they're jockeying, and you know, and all kinds of things. So the kids are not getting uh, the, the 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 regulation, the, the emotional connection. So we're all the reason I'm talking about it in large scope like this is because we're all having to uh, wake up to this, uh, to this situation that we find ourselves in in some ways, or else I think we're going to continue to go down uh, a way that is not conducive to, to the most uh, peaceful, uh, well-adjusted, um, really balanced way of life. And what happens then is the teenagers then act out or they implode uh, as in depression or um, the girls today, especially, are, are having a lot of anxiety and depression, um, and that we're seeing it uh, in a in a very uh, overt way. Where boys act out, um, and in either by becoming uh, uh, aggressive, overly aggressive, or they might withdraw into video games and and uh, this kind of thing, or the cyber world. Um, so. You know, your question you ask um, is is important, and trying to get back to the, the essence of that is is uh, is challenging because it takes us off into these, like as you can see, into all these other areas. Um, having said that, um, you know, let's just assume that uh, most parents are very, you know, really have children because they want them, and that they are really involved in it and and in their lives and and concerned about how well they're turning out. And, you know, you know, we would have to assume then that most mothers and fathers, you know, have a vast matrix of hopes 
dreams and wishes for their children, um, many of which aren't going to be gratified. You know, they've spent many years harboring expectations of themselves as a certain kind of parent to raise a certain kind of child. And um, sometimes the, their children don't fulfill those, those expectations. So rather than artificially, uh, uh, you know, insisting that the child in, you know, become the perfect image of the parent, but one thing that shows that parents have to also come to terms with in themselves is how to learn how to accept who their young, uh, young teen or, or child or, or young adult even um, actually is, rather than futilely yearn for who they might still want to be. Um, they have to love him or her, you know, not just in spite of, but because of the ways in which um, they've been, they might have been disillusioned by their, by their child. And they have to learn to accept themselves for who they've been as parents and acknowledging the ways in which they did and didn't make a positive difference in their family's lives. They, you know, um, right. You know, so it's, 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 it's quite a process. I, I think it's, that's why I say it's the hardest thing any of us do. It is. I mean, there's, there's no simple way to do it. I want to contribute a couple things here that have come up in my thinking as, as Greg is offering his wisdom. Some stuff's coming up for me. So I want to say a few things. I want to say, number one, there is nothing. I don't know if I'll say this is the greatest thing, but I will say there's never a reason that this does not belong in a situation. And that is empathy. So I want you listeners as parents and even as teens, but I'm really talking to the parents at this time. I want you to bring empathy to the table, which is to say our teens can do things that are annoying us a lot. I mean, if they've got that phone at dinner, if they will not put it down, if they will not get that laundry done, if they don't, you know, they're just not finishing things because they're just the ding dongs and, you know, bing bings and all little sounds are coming out of all their technical devices. And then they run up the stairs or run out of the kitchen, you know, and so we're like, wait, what? Wait, uh, dinner, you know, so we're frustrated. But we need to right away move to empathy and start to connect with our teens. We're going to get nowhere by trying to just be mad and and try to boss them around more because their escape from bossiness is technology, is to go into a world that is existent 24-7. So I want to say that. I want to say that if you think you're a teen, and I would say that many, many are experiencing anxiety, ADD, OCD, addiction, depression, instead of saying to them, snap out of it, you know, get up, other kids have it worse, you have a good life, quit being a baby, blah. Instead of doing anything that is negative, it's not terrible. You, you don't have to put your kid in therapy or in coaching or in every week, but it's not a bad thing to take them to a coach or a therapist or somebody, if it's the person that you're affiliated with religiously or whatever, just for a, a session, just a session. It's shocking what a child will tell somebody else besides you. So that's just another idea. Say to them, hey, you seem down. Instead of saying... Others have it worse. I never like that line. So let me just give you my Lindsayism. That's not good. I don't like that. I don't ever like comparing about, you know, you have a bad, you think you have a bad, others have it worse. I just think that's ridiculous. So my point is whatever's inside their body and heart and mind, it hurts, even if it is ridiculous. So you say to them, you're hurting. I see that. I'm not relating to it because I can't understand. It seems like you're not wanting to share it with me. What I am going to do is bring you to someone that you can share it with. If they want to be silent for a whole session, that's fine. But I'm just going to say that. I want to bring up another thing which Greg brought up, which I loved. Greg said, 
have dinner with them if you can. And yes, it's a crazy life. Maybe you can't, but try. He said, look them in the eye when you can. Pick them up from school. Pick them up from their extracurriculars. Look them in the eye. It only takes a few words where you look them straight in the eye and say, how are you? Hey, how did it go? Hey, how was your day? And you look them right in the eye and you don't look away. And you only need 60 seconds of that, but it matters. And I wanted to say that a ritual that I tell a lot of my clients to do, because if you can't have dinner together, it doesn't matter. At some point in the day, dinner's one place, but it can be bedtime. You have every member of the family say, what was the best thing that happened today? And everybody says, and parents do too, and you're honest. And what was the worst thing? And the parents are honest too. My boss yelled at me. It really sucked. Well, you know what? I got let down. I was waiting for a really special phone call and it didn't come. I was really sad. You know, you're honest. And so then your kids are honest. But that's moving into mindfulness without your kids even knowing it. So I just want to bring up that ritual. If anyone's listening to this and thinks, I, I could do that. I could ask the best thing that happened and join in on that. And what's the worst thing? So those, those are my little snippets there um, that I wanted to throw in. I know we're, we're kind of moving fast. Any thoughts on that, Greg? Well, no, I, lo- I love what you said, and and, and I would say that um, uh, you know we have to uh, really try to honor them and value them for being decent, good young people, rather than just for their achievements. You know, and you know, again, who am I talking to? Well, I'm talking to a lot of parents that are, um, you know, that are really motivating their children to to attain, you know. You know, in some ways, unreasonable standards, and and um, so yeah, parents they have to check that a little bit at the door by being mindful, and because uh, is it their ego that needs the child to be a superstar, or is it really loving and appreciating the decency of the child for their values, for their character, for their goodness, and that you know hugs, and you know it's it's crazy as it sounds, hugs and. Just touching them, believe it or not, on the arm literally changes the, the, the heartbeat and it actually helps the heart come into regulation. Um, so there's a lot of ways that physical touch is very important. And taking the time to, when you hug somebody, to actually hug that little maybe second or two longer that lets them know you really are present. You're not just, you know, it's not just a, a you know, something you're doing uh, to oblige them or you're passing. You're passing. And once in a while, most of the time, you know, that's anything will is better than nothing. But um, just you know, these kinds of these kinds of ways of, of like I say, uh, really helping them to to know that they that they have value and worth. I think it's so critical. You know, parents play a uh, and must play a central role in mitigating the pressures on children today. And um, and you know the. They are the immediate buffers of the culture, you know, all the influences that come in on these kids today. And, uh, you know, they have great power to help children remain grounded and and have a, like I say, a value system that emphasizes decency and kindness as much as getting ahead. And uh, so for families that are, you know, really involved in that way. And then we've got, you know, a lot of families that are very, so busy and overwrought and addicted and, Dysfunctionally, adults are, are not, are not, have not really matured and they're trying to raise children, but they're still children themselves and using the children to actually help them feel better. I mean, there's, it's, we run the whole gamut today, uh, of this, this type of, uh, parenting and, 
So it brings up a lot of things, and the things we were trying to get to, you know, when we talk about uh, medication and how to diagnose and work with depression and ADD and so forth. I mean, that, that comes right in the fields of this, of course. So what do we do? I mean, that's so I'm glad you're bringing that back up because it is so confusing. And I do I want to just re, I just want to put a stamp of, you know, not just approval, but a stamp of make sure you heard what Greg said. You know, simple love, simple love, the simplicity of loving your child. It, it I'm not sure he he certainly didn't say the word it trumps it, but I'm going to say it. It trumps anything else you're driving your child to do. If you're driving your child to achieve, achievement's fantastic as well, and it helps for self-esteem, but it's the, it, it's the other way. Like, in other words, you have to have self-esteem to want to achieve, and self-esteem comes from loving yourself and being witnessed as a loving human. And, and there's many ways that can happen, certainly accomplishment and achievements that we do create our ability to say, whoa, you know, I climbed that mountain right on. I'm pretty good, right? And then, you know, someone says, right. And you're like, yeah, right. So there are those moments. But as parents, as they've moved into the teen years, the best self-esteem you can give them is to let them know as you look them in the eye, you are special, it, it, you wouldn't need to accomplish that for me to think you're special or to love you. You, you might want that, and so I'll root for you, but you wouldn't need it for me to think you're special. And, and that's the simplicity of the hug and the touch on the arm and the, you know, um, just I, I tell my clients all the time, and it has worked tremendously. And, I mean, I've got clients where it's really adversarial, where the kid literally won't speak to the parent in, in the house and stuff, but they'll leave Post-its. You know, you. I just appreciate you. I'm glad you're my daughter. I'm proud you're my son. I'm really glad to see you enjoying your TV show tonight. You know, but they leave them in different places. A post-it on their bed, a post-it at the refrigerator, a post-it in their lunch. I did it for my kids their whole life. I did it like practically almost every day of their life. They found a post-it somewhere. And, you know, and so I just wanted it ingrained. I didn't have to face them in that moment. They didn't have to say thank you for the compliment. It just was existent somewhere where they got to see that I was noticing them. So I just want to say that back to the simplicity. Okay, so now we're, now we're to having to really deal with issues, though. Your child really is depressed. They really are in bed a lot. They really do sleep a lot. They really are panic-stricken over a lot of stuff. Or OCD or ADD or defiant, whatever. What do we do, Greg? Like, is medication the answer? <laughs> well, actually, this also gets into a very controversial topic, and it would take uh, at least one sh- whole show just talking about this. Uh, I'm sure even a lot longer than that. But, um, you know, uh, medication, unfortunately, um, and fortunately and unfortunately, both sometimes relieve some of the symptoms. But it, it, I have to say something because of our time. I'll say uh, something, and it's, it, I know, I realize it's controversial. Um, it's, it's um, <laughs> you know, medication is, is uh, when you look at all the, all the ways that uh, we use it and misuse it, it it, uh, it does, like I say, treat the symptoms, but it doesn't really cure the problem of the deeper issue of, it, of the anxiety that's there. Um, and what's happening, there's been, a, you know, some the longer-term studies of some of these psych- psychotropic uh, pharmaceutical drugs, very powerful drugs, and they had, do have an effect on the brain, the specific areas of the brain, and that, that um, deter or actually eliminate the develop, developmental milestones that need to take place. The brain needs to 
uh, wire itself, and it only wires itself out of necessity lots of times or through experience or being allowed under optimal conditions to, to develop, especially the higher regions of the brain that are going to produce the, the more complex thinking and the more uh, the deeper ability to, to soothe and to self-regulate and to be um, good people that, that, that uh, make a difference in the world to others as well uh, that are caring and kind and compassionate and loving. Um, so we're, we're, some, of this, some of the medications are, are very, very, very controversial. There are some amazing uh, documentaries out there like American Addict or Generation RX that people should watch. Uh, people like... Uh, um, Peter Bregan, who's an MD from Harvard, who wrote the book Talking About the Prozac, it writes uh, psychiatric drug uh, guides uh, that he comes out, he updates every couple of years. These are really great resources to take a look at the controversy around this stuff. I'll give you an example with ADD drugs. Um, they took um, a recent study. They took um, kids that were that were, uh, by all means, not ADD and so-called normal, let's say, and the kids that were also ADD, they gave they gave them Ritalin and Adderall and some of the, some of the other drugs to to all to all the groups, all the both groups, and they found that the kids that did, that were that did not have any ADD symptoms or characteristics actually also did better in school. Um, so the, the short-term effect of these, some of these things it can be very. Um, you, you, you say, well, it works, so why not give the kid drugs? It doesn't seem to harm them. Well, just because it doesn't seem to harm the outside or in the short term, there is this, uh, long-term repercussions from some of these long-term uses that are now showing up as what yeah, an umbrella term they're using is chronic brain impairment, or CBI. Oh, wow. uh, and so... I, I um, have studied and looked at this in so many ways for a number of years now. Um, yeah. when, I work for, when I work for Child Protective Services, I just have to say real quick, you know, almost every one of these kids were, were diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. And yeah. Yeah, so it, it just gives you an indication that there's something else going on here, I, I would say. Well, I so appreciate that answer, and it is too tight of time, and you're right. I, it just makes me see, and I and I know, but boy, talking about it really brings it home, what kind of time we need. And um, I I have to start moving toward close of show. I know you stay with me here, Greg, but um, I just, you know, I guess I'm just going to start kind of doing a recap here because we are going to roll through this a little bit. We, we did cover issues, so we've been going through two weeks. Today we did cover we touched on, and I apologize we couldn't go deeper, for anxiety. We touched on teens' depression, ADHD, medication choices. We didn't really get you the information of whether to make a choice or not, but we're telling you how difficult it all can be. We have tied two weeks together discussing also cyber bubble and overly connection, overly connected, hyperconnectivity, and you know how, how they are so connected. They've never been so connected, and they're devastatingly lonely. So that's the true reality for teens. It's a devastatingly lonely situation to be connected through abstract air. And I want you to think about that. And I want to say with medication, while we didn't get answers, because it goes on and on, I do say that one answer is get someone else involved, get that coach, get that therapist, get a clergy, get somebody else, or talk to your own child a lot, or both. 
But communication is the beginning of understanding whether medication should play a role. So I want to really say that if you're talking and saying, are you okay? You seem really sad. Would you talk to someone else? Is there anything I can do for you? What is there? You know, is there any information I don't know? That kind of thing. This is sort of off the path. And I'm going to pop there for one second due to some things that I'm discovering in my practice. And that is all listeners who have teens or maybe older, but for sure, if you are responsible for a teen, sit down and say at least one thing. Anything you're sending now goes to the cloud. I just am going to say that sentence because when I raised my kids, they sent things, pictures, lots of fun things. Everyone's got their Instagram. Everyone's got fun stuff flying around. It goes to the cloud. And, and if it doesn't, it might. So people don't understand this and it can never be gotten back. So I just, if that scares you a little that I just threw that out there, good. Sit down over dinner and talk about it. Um, Okay, let me quickly roll through some more things. We need to support our teens. I've said that. Please, guys, hear me when I say let's not blame them. If they're hyperconnected or they have anxiety, depression, these are some of the most difficult experiences they are going through. And I'm going to go ahead and own this as a grown-up and parent and say for all of us, I'm going to do some tough love. They didn't get anywhere without the help of the grown-ups. So in other words, we kind of wove this web that they might be tangled up in. And so I'm not here to blame us either or blame teens. I'm just saying it's our duty to guide and support and love them through these times. We should not judge we should ask. We should not punish. We should relate. That should be first call of action. Not saying no one ever deserves a punishment, but first we relate. We understand what they're doing before we just throw a punishment out. I want to talk about next week, but I first want to just say, um, you know, I just can't tell you enough how I appreciate, Greg, that you were on the show. So thank you so very much for being on. It's, I'm so grateful. You're very welcome, and thank you again for having me as a guest. I really, really enjoyed it. You're welcome. It's been awesome. And so so next week, okay, our guest will be Dr. Stephen Farber. Stephen Farber, MD, he, re- he received his, ma- his bachelor's degree in English from Rutgers College before attending medical school. Then he received his medical degree, completed an internal medicine program for cardiology with a fellowship at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. Dr. Farber specialized in the diagnosis and treatment of cardiovascular diseases for over 25 years, practiced medicine in Texas. He found the heart of Montgomery country, which he founded this nonprofit organization whose mission was to improve care for the indigent and uninsured population. Then he published As Sick as Our Secrets. It's a book in 2012 that came out. He also did write a book, Behind the White Coat, which was a personal memoir. And he also co-authored Stepping Stones to Success with Deepak Chopra and Jack Canfield. Dr. Farber recently received a master's degree in healthcare admin from University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm having him on because of his book, As Sick as Our Secrets, this book called Out to Me. I contacted him. I was blown away by this book, and I have built a pretty strong connection with this individual at this point, and you're going to want to hear his story, but it's about addiction, secrets, our culture, what we can be pushed to do or lose when we can't just be ourselves or speak the truth. Dr. Farber lost a lot, but you know what? He gained a lot on his journey back to a true, authentic life. You're going to want to hear what happened to him. 
It's absolutely incredible, moving, and worth the listen. And every one of you will relate to something in this story. He is on next week, October 1st. Please join me. I'm Lindsay Levinson, Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. And we're really thankful for Greg Newton, who has joined us for a two-part series the last two weeks. Thanks so much. And guys, have a really meaningful week. Thanks. for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.